moments with you in the Word this morning. If you have your Bible, if you'll uh, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Mark Twain is known for uh, several of his sayings. Uh, Perhaps you remember some of these. These are uh, well-known ones. Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Uh, I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. Um, The man who does not read good books has no advantage over the man who cannot read them. Uh, But then there are two more, and uh, there are two I want to particularly share with you this morning, and they both concern classic books. And you know, I'm a a book lover. Uh, He said a classic, talking about a classic book, a classic is something that everybody wants to have read, but nobody wants to read. Maybe you were required to read some of those in school. But my favorite one, and the one I remember the best, talking about a classic book, he said, a classic is a book which people praise but don't read. 
It's a book that people praise but don't read. You know, I think the Bible falls in that category for a lot of people uh, in our world today. They praise it, but they don't read it. They talk well about it. Uh, they may carry it around with them, and they may have several of them, and they may have it in a prominent place in, in their home, but they do not read it. Back in April of this year, uh, Lifeway Christian Resources, our own Lifeway, conducted research, and uh, it released a, an article with this title, Americans are fond of the Bible, don't actually read it. Uh, that's not surprising, is it? But what about church folks? What about people that go to church on a regular basis? Uh, those people consider themselves people of faith. Uh, surely they read their Bibles, right? Well, again, Lifeway conducted research and... Um, they asked a, a question of uh, church-going people. In fact, they surveyed 2,930 American Protestant churchgoers, so not just Southern Baptists, but Protestants that go to church about uh, their Bible reading. In fact, the question was this. How often do they personally, not as a part of a church service, so not on, in here, but how often personally do people who go to church read their Bible? You might be surprised by the results. In fact, let me put them on the screen for you. 19% of those 2,930 church-going people said that they read the Bible every day. 26% said they read the Bible a few times a week. 14% said they read the Bible once a week. 22% said, well, they read the Bible once a month or a few times a month. And yet some very honest people, these were church-going people, 18% of them said that they rarely or never read their Bible outside of a church service. Now, here's the question this morning. What about you? Outside of this place, outside of Sunday school, outside of Sunday morning, outside of Wednesday night, if you're here on Wednesday nights, how much do you personally read the Word of God? How often do you read your Bible? You know, this week in Vacation Bible School, if you haven't already uh, been able to tell, we're focusing upon the Bible. And over five nights, we're going to look at the Bible and learn some great lessons about the Bible. In fact, let me give you the five main lessons we're going to learn this week. We're going to learn, beginning tonight, that the Bible is the coolest book on the planet, and it's unique in so many ways. Then we're going to learn the Bible's message has an incredible impact on the earth. Then we're going to learn the Bible is the bedrock foundation on which to build our lives. And then we're going to learn that the Bible has a thrilling theme running throughout its pages. And finally, we hope to learn this week that the Bible is exciting to explore, so we need to learn it, love it, and live it. But thinking about that last one in particular, if the Bible is so exciting to explore, then why are only 19% of church-going people reading their Bible uh, every day? Well, you know, there's a lot of answers to that question, I'm sure, and there'd be a multitude of answers if I were to ask it among people here, but could, could one of the answers be this, maybe one of the main answers that people would just honestly say, look, when I read the Bible, I just don't get much from it. I don't get much out of my Bible reading. Uh, they might be honest, I don't understand it, I feel confused, I leave my Bible reading time frustrated. It feels like a fruitless endeavor. I just don't get much from reading my Bible. Well, if that's you this morning, then I want you to hang on because I've got some encouraging news for you. I've got some help for you in a moment. 
but for some people, the reason that they don't read their Bible and they don't understand their Bible is that they cannot understand the Bible. In other words, they are in darkness. They cannot understand the Bible. They're not saved. They're not redeemed. Their eyes have never been opened to the truth. You know, the Bible is a spiritual book and it can only be understood by spiritual people, people who know God. The lost man or woman cannot understand the Bible. They don't misunderstand me. I don't mean they can't read the sentences. I don't mean they can't read the facts and figures. I don't mean they can't you know, parse the verbs and, and do grammar studies and, and even do all that sort of thing. What I mean is they cannot understand the Bible like a saved person can understand the Bible. Why? Because they are in darkness. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, But the natural man, that is the unsaved man, the unsaved woman, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Nor can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. I hope you know if you've been in church for any amount of time that lost people are spiritually blind. And they need the Holy Spirit of God to shine the light of the glorious gospel into their life so they can come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says it this way. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, not our God, not, not the Lord, but the God of this age, our enemy, The devil, the God of this age, has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. And so a lost person is in darkness. They're blinded to the truth of the glorious Word of God. I read a story this past week about a prisoner. And this prisoner was locked in solitary confinement for 33 years. Can you imagine? By yourself in a jail cell for 33... Well, some of you might like that at least for a year or two. But, but imagine 33 years locked in a jail cell and, and I understand that he only had one single book. Can you guess which book he had? The Bible. Yeah. Well, he died. And after this prisoner who'd been in the uh, jail cell with the Bible for 33 years, those who went to clean out his cell they found some very interesting sentences on the, uh, you know, etched on the wall. Here's what they found on the wall of this prisoner's cell. Psalm 118, verse 8, is the middle verse of the Bible. Ezra 7:21. it contains all the letters of the alphabet except the letter J. The ninth verse of the eighth chapter of Esther is the longest verse in the Bible. Uh, no word or name in the Bible has more than six syllables. And the author that I was reading that was telling this story said clearly this prisoner was captive to more than a jail. He was constrained by blindness and the relevance of the Word of God. He spent years, even decades, with the Word of God and all that he came up with were odd bits of trivia and things that just any person could find. Tragically, the timeless truth The timeless words of Scripture did not touch his heart. The lost person is in darkness. And so I have to ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there been a time in your life where you realize that you're a sinner and your sin has separated you from a holy God? 
But yet God loved you so much that He sent the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Christ came, perfect God, perfect man, joined together. And He lived a sinless, perfect life. And then He voluntarily laid down His life on that cross, shed His precious blood, died and was buried, but then rose again victorious. And the Bible tells us if we'll turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus Christ, we will be born again. We will have eternal life. You see, friend, if you're going to understand the Word of God, you must know the God of the Word. And you can only know Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it may be today that your real issue is not just that you can understand the Bible, but that you don't know God. You're in darkness. I pray today the light of the glorious Gospel, the Holy Spirit would penetrate your life and show you your need of Christ. And so for some people it's darkness. They cannot understand the Word of God. But then there are those of us who are redeemed, those of us who know Jesus Christ, we know we're going to heaven, we love the Lord, but yet we still struggle. Well, you know, it could be the issue of dullness. It could be dullness. The reason we're not reading the Bible more is because of dullness. In other words, we fill our hearts and our lives with so much of this world that the Bible and prayer and spiritual things, they become kind of boring and, and dull. The real issue is the coldness in our heart. In fact, boys and girls that are in here, have you ever wanted to snack on um, junk food, candy, and, and chips, and Snickers, and, and uh, uh, Kit Kats, and, and all that good stuff, and yet your mom and, and cupcakes, and brownies, and, and all that stuff, and, and your mom or dad comes along, and they stop you, and they say something like this, no, don't eat any of that junk, because we're about ready to sit down and eat supper, or eat lunch. Why do they tell you that? Well, because they want to keep the junk food to themselves. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> that's part of it, but that's not the main reason. Okay? The, the main reason is they know that if you fill up on all that junk, you're going to have no appetite for the good, nutritious, wholesome food that they're about to serve you. Because you fill up on brownies, you don't care about broccoli. And so they stop you. Well, the same, truth, the same thing works in our lives as well. We can fill our lives with so much junk that we don't have an appetite or even, can I say it this way, the time to give to the Word of God. And so we need to cleanse our hands and our hearts and repent and return to the Lord. As the old evangelist, I love D.L. Moody, D.L. Moody so famously says, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. That was true when he said it many, many years ago and it's still true today. The Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. So we know that darkness is an issue. We know that dullness can be an issue. Now what about those who are redeemed? You know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you truly have a desire to grow in your Bible knowledge but you try to read the Word of God and you still leave frustrated and confused and, and, and you just struggle. Well, I want to give you something today that I believe can make a tremendous difference in your approach to reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And I want to share with you this morning our Vacation Bible School theme verse. And I'm calling this verse, and I'm calling today's message, The Bible Reader's Prayer. And you'll find it in your Bible, Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. And then we're going to try to memorize this verse this week. We're going to say it in all of our worship rallies. And hopefully by the end of the week, all of the boys and girls and those in our worship rallies will know it. I want to encourage you to memorize it with us. But Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes 
that I may see wondrous things from your law. Would you say it out loud with me? Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Psalm 119, 18. Now, obviously, this is a prayer. You know, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, the longest chapter of the Bible. If you've ever read through the Bible in a year and, and you didn't realize that and you're, you're just kind of humming along and all of a sudden you say you did Psalm 117, Psalm 118, and then you turn to page and you see Psalm 119, today's reading assignment, and you look and you say, oh. So hopefully your plan gives you a couple of days to read it. But this 18th verse, and you'll notice as you read through the book of Psalms, and you go to Psalm 119, the, the theme is the Word of God. The Word of God. And the psalmist here is expressing a prayer, and this prayer expresses at least two things. As I thought about it, and meditated on it, and studied it, it expresses dependence, and it expresses desire. It expresses dependence and it expresses desire. By the way, I think all true prayer does that, doesn't it? It expresses dependence. It's a declaration of dependence, but it also expresses desire that you need God to work in some manner. You're, you're praying, you're seeking Him. So there's dependence and there's desire. Let's talk about the whole idea of dependence first. Dependence first. Dependence, of course, means that we need help. We need divine illumination. Uh, we're not sufficient on our own. So when the psalmist prays, open my eyes, he's not talking about his physical eyes. Now, I know a lot of people need to pray that prayer, by the way. Some of you are in here this morning, and you close your eyes. You need to pray, open my eyes, Lord. All right, here we go. So your physical eyes, that's not what he's talking about. When he's saying here, open my eyes, he's saying, open my understanding. This is a cry for God's help. It's a cry for God's assistance in understanding the Word of God. And let's be honest. If you're studying a book, whatever that book is, and you're having trouble with it, who better to ask than the author of the book? Now, most books, we don't get to do that. When you're in school and you have trouble, you can't call up the author and say, hey, you know, this is, this is Joe from over in Ansonville. No, you can't do that. But here's the great thing. If you're a child of God... You have the author of this book living inside of you already. If you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, if you're a child of God, every child of God is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible is clear about that. And the Holy Spirit of God is the ultimate author. He used human authors, but He inspired them to bring about the Word of God, the inerrant, inspired, authoritative, infallible Word of God. And so one of the things the Holy Spirit does is to help us to understand the Bible. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. 1 Corinthians 2, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 through 13. The Bible says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, who might know the things, look, that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual 
So when we truly pray a prayer like that, open my eyes, we're expressing our dependence upon God. God, I need your help. God, I'm not sufficient. God, I need you to open my understanding. Help me to understand this book. Help me understand this Bible. But it also expresses desire. Because he says, open my eyes. Why? Well, look at the rest of the verse. That I may see wondrous things from your law. And so there's the whole idea of desire here. And I think there's a desire for at least two things. First of all, a desire to see. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things. So let me warn you here. This is not talking about new truth. It's not talking about you seeing something that nobody else in church history, nobody else who's a, a wise Bible school has ever seen. No, what it means is it's those aha moments when we really understand the passage of Scripture. In other words, you're struggling along, you're praying, God, help me to understand, and then all of a sudden the light comes on. Divine illumination, the Holy Spirit opens your understanding, and you say, oh, I get it now. Aha, that's what it means. Now, let's be honest. Um... The Bible's hard to understand at times, isn't it? I've been doing this a long time. Um, preaching. I started preaching at uh, 16 and, uh, what, 25 years or so now. And, and, and having schooling and, and learning it. But there's so many weeks that I wrestle with the Scripture. You know, we're in the middle of Beatitudes right now. We've been wrestling with some of those Beatitudes in that series. And we'll get back to it next week, God willing. But, but, but we, we, we get in the Word and no matter how long we've been a Christian, whether you've had formal training or, or not, you just, you Sunday school, but we wrestle at times. How many Sunday school teachers, to be honest now, you're a Sunday school teacher and you get your new quarterly and you figure out what date is your date and you flip ahead to see if you already know that story and you say, oh, I know that one already. <laughs> and then others, they go to their son. Oh no, I gotta study that. Anybody like that? Say, preacher, why do you think that's what I do? Well, it's my turn to teach. Am I the only one? Am I the only only? I see one hand. Hey, there, there's an altar call coming, y'all. You can come down. I'm in church. But you know, even when you understand it, let's say you're flipping ahead, you get to it's the Daniel and the lion's den. And, and, and even when you understand this, there's so much we miss. You ever read the same passage or same story and you've heard it, maybe you've been in church all your life and you've heard the same story, you've read the same story and, and you're reading along and all of a sudden one day you see something you've never noticed before. It's always been there. It's not new. You've read it maybe a hundred times, but all of a sudden, I never saw that before. I never realized that. Was it Why? Because the Scriptures are inexhaustible. It was old Jerome who said the Scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and they're deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. That's the Word of God. A remarkable book. And we can't understand it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us and help us. But it's a desire not only to see. I don't think He stops with just seeing. He wants to see some wondrous things, but there's also a desire here, in my opinion, as I study this, there's a desire to do what he sees. In other words, to obey what's revealed. You say, well, preacher, I don't see that in verse 18. Well, back up to the verse right before it and the verse right after it. Look at verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live, and notice what it says, and keep 
your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Verse 19, right after verse 18. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your what? Your commandments from me. Drop down to verse 34 and 35. Give me understanding. Isn't that what he's praying for in verse 18? Give me understanding, verse 34. Give me understanding, and notice what he says, and I shall do what? I shall keep your law. Not just see it, not just say, oh, look what I found. No, I want to keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it how? With my whole heart, verse 35. Make me walk in the path of your commandments. For why? For I delight in it. You see, beloved, to truly seek enlightenment, to pray for light, to say, Lord, Open my eye. I don't understand this. I don't. I can't. Can't grasp this. To truly pray that prayer is to pray it with this heart, not just so you can see it and say, "I saw it," not just so you can enjoy the feeling of understanding it, but that so that you can walk in the light that's been revealed to you, so you can obey it and you can keep what's been revealed. There's so much more we could say on this topic. Whole books have been written on understanding the Bible. Classes are taught on it. But I believe this is the starting point. Where we come and we acknowledge our need, our dependence upon God, and we express our true desire to really understand it, Lord, that I might obey it, that I might do it, that I might keep it. And I believe that if you'll approach your Bible reading like this, it can make a, a tremendous difference and turning your Bible study into something that you just, just kind of, well, I've got to do it, so I want to do it. I delight in it. I really want to get into the Word. So I want to challenge you this morning. Okay? I want to challenge you over this next week. Now, I'm praying that you'll form a habit this next week that won't stop. But I want to challenge you this week, if I may. I want to challenge you to make this prayer your prayer. And when you come to the Word of God, whether you're studying for Bible school, you're studying for Sunday school next Sunday, you're doing your own personal devotions, maybe you're reading through the New Testament with us, uh, I think we're in the Gospel of Luke right now, wherever you are, wherever you're with the Word, to stop for just a moment. Just a moment before. How long does it take to pray this prayer, by the way? How long did it take us to read that verse? Uh, just a matter of seconds, wasn't it? To really stop and make this prayer your prayer. And pause and pray and say, Dear God, and you can, you can you know, word it the way you want to word it, but this is the gist of it. Dear God, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word, that I might see wondrous things from your law. God, I, I, I can't do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to teach me. And Lord, help me to obey what you show me in your word today. And I believe that will make a tremendous difference, not only this week, but for the rest of of your life where you really begin to understand and unpack and be changed by the glorious Word of God. Will you take the challenge? Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Father, that is our desire. As we come and listen to a sermon, as we come in a Sunday school class, as we open our Bibles, outside of this place, that we would be taught by your Holy Spirit, that your word would change us and mold us and shape us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, again, I pray if anybody here does not know Christ, if they're still in darkness, shine the glorious light of the gospel 
unto their life today. And Lord, help us to always honor you and all we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open this morning. We're going to have a closing song, and it is a song that's part of our Bible school. In fact, it's one of my favorite songs that we're going to do this week, and we're going to ask you to stand as we sing, and if you want to come and pray today, if you need a new Christ today, if you've never met Him, I'd love to sit down with the Bible and share Christ today. If you want to come and pray, God's burdened you about something, you come, the altar is open. As we stand together and we sing, standing on the promise, let's stand together and sing. You come as we sing today. I'm standing on the promises of Christ, my King. Thank you.